This is Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the pastor of Harvest Worship Center in Trine, Georgia. We'd like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. Every week, we try to broadcast our Sunday morning celebration that begins at 1030. This is the celebration of who Jesus is in our lives. We hope and pray that you will enjoy this message and that God will draw you closer to Him through it. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us this morning. This is a baptism Sunday. Can somebody praise God for that? Amen. I was doing a little math in my office, and uh, in the last year and a half, we when Sonia is baptized this morning, that will be 150 that we have baptized in a year and a half, and to God be the glory for that. Amen. To God be the glory for that. And... Uh, I don't get into numbers a lot, but I sure thank God for what he does. Amen. Amen. I thank God for, for his move because I'm going to tell you something. You can pack the house, but if, if lives aren't being changed, you're not doing nothing but creating a spiritual social club, and sometimes that club isn't even spiritual. I want to be a church. How about you? I want to be a house of prayer. I want to be a house of worship, not just a place where people can gather with friends and mark church off their list. Amen. I don't think you're here to do that this morning, but I think you're here to hear from the Lord, to, to do business with God, and, and that's what we want to do. Um, usually, uh, I am very, very um, late. I don't even begin to talk about what my heart is speaking for the next year till after we go through our 21 days of consecration in January. But very early into uh, December, God began to deal with my heart about the direction that we're to go in. And it is just simple. Simply, we're going to just call it Focus 2020. Um, and last Sunday, I alluded to that, that we want 2020 vision. We want clear spiritual vision in this year coming up. How about Who wants that? I want to see through God's eyes in 2020. And so I want clear focus. So we're going to we're going to talk about that just a little bit and lay the foundation for that because next week uh, we're going to have available to you commitment cards and different things. Um, we are not canceling our fast. Um, and and if you're saying yay, then you missed the reason we do it in the first place. Amen. I got quiet on me. Um, if you're happy about, and we're not canceling our fast, but what we are doing is we're going to. I think sometimes we tip fast heavy during January and we forget prayer, and so we're going to focus more on prayer, not just through the through the month of January, but this is going to be a 40 day event, and so for the 40 days of the first 40 days of the year, beginning on January 1st, we'll begin our our Focus 2020, and we will be involved in fasting and prayer for a 40-day period. Now, you may choose to fast the first week and then skip a week and then fast again. I don't care how you do it. I would like for you to fast at least half of those days, uh, those 40 days. Uh, If not, you know, if you want to take on the whole 40, uh, you know, you say, oh, no, God can help you do that, but if that's what he wants you to do. Um, but we need clear direction. We need clear, clear direction for our families. We need clear direction for our churches. We need clear direction for our lives. Some of you that are younger and you're, you're getting started in life, I want to encourage you to participate in, in this Focus 2020 for one reason. Um, you really need to make some good decisions. How many in these first few rows and scattered in the back say, as a young person, I want to make good decisions? If you're not raising your hand, then I'm pulling you to this altar immediately. 
because you need to at least want to make good decisions. You get a list, all you youth pastors right now. Anyway, um, but we want a clear direction for uh, our lives. And um, how many of you adults would say, yes, get a clear focus when you're young and you might avoid a few pitfalls in life? Yeah, come on. And so Focus 2020. So I'm going to talk to you, if I have time, about the essentials of an effective prayer life. And we're going to, of course, use some uh, familiar passages of Scripture. We're going to go to Luke six and the, or Mark 6 and Luke 11, where Jesus is asked by the disciples, how do we pray? And uh, how, do, how, how should we address this God that we serve? And I think prayer can become something that is very confusing in somebody's life if they don't get the essentials down. So we're going to work on the essentials. Anybody ever struggled praying? I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I've struggled with praying at times. How many has ever, you know, looked at prayer as just something I got to mark off my list as a good believer? Okay, right here. That's what Christians do. We read our Bibles, we pray, and we go to church. And if we do those three, we go to heaven. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because unless we are doing those things out of relationship, then we are missing the whole point of why we do them. And again, this focus, uh, this focus 2020 over the next 40 days when we begin in January 1, it is not some gimmick plan. This is, I hope, creating a culture in our church of prayer. A culture of prayer, uh, and, and, and that we are not just uh, that we we have such a phenomenal journey through those forty days. We realize that forty days isn't enough to get me to heaven. I've got to develop a daily prayer life. I've got to develop a daily communication with my God, and I've got to realize that He is not. It's not just me talking to Him; it's Him talking with me. Does God talk to me? Yes. Why do people freak out at that? But yet we'll stand up and talk about how the devil's telling us stuff. We're, we're real good at admitting the devil tells me this, and the devil's been working on me, and the devil's been saying this, but well, you let somebody get up and say, the other day God spoke to me, and people get freaked out. Well, I got news for you. If the devil can speak to us, I know the God of heaven can speak to us, and he speaks to us through many different ways. One of the ways he speaks to us is through his word. Amen? You want to hear God? Get into the word. If you don't know how to get into the Word, don't start in Leviticus. Don't do your devotion time. I'm going to have my quiet time in Deuteronomy. You will give up fast. Go to the book of John. Go to the book of Psalms. Get started on that and then work your way through the Gospels. And I'm telling you, God will begin to put a hunger in you for the Word of God. We're going to get on that a little bit. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Prayer is one of the most powerful weapons God has given us. But yet it goes unused. It goes, uh, it goes unutilized in most believers' life. Ahead of us in 2020 are un unforeseen battles, unforeseen circumstances. There are things that you and I have, we don't, we're not privy to the knowledge of what is coming in 2020, but I will tell you this. Uh, well, I guess we all know that we're going to hear nothing but elections during 2020, but beyond that, we're not privy to the personal battles that we're going to fight, the family battles that we're going to fight, the spiritual struggles that we might go through as a church, but I'm going to tell you there is one who is the first, the last, and he fills in all of the middle, and his name is Jesus, and he has foresight into the year 2020 and beyond, and 
He knows what lies ahead and he says that's why we ought to go before the Lord in prayer. I'm here to tell you our focus must become a prayer life in 2020. I believe it has never been more important for God's people to be on their knees than it is for this coming year. Focus 2020 must become a culture, a part of our lives. We will be a, This will have to become the driving force of Harvest Worship Center if we want to accomplish everything that God has laid before us. Because I'm here to tell you, if you think we can do these things that God is speaking to us on our own, then without his help, we will fall flat on our face and we will fail miserably. But if we as a church and as a body will go before this throne of the living God and kneel before him crying out with a united voice, God, give us strength and help us and give us focus for this year. We'll follow in his footsteps and I'm here to tell you God never fails. God never fails. I see a lot of coats going on, so y'all might want to bump that uh, air a little bit. Uh, I don't want people to freeze to death. I want them to focus. Focus, amen. We, will, we must allow this to become the driving force of our relationships. It must be what we are about. Knowing how to pray is not always easy. Jesus' disciples felt the same confusion. Did you know that? They went through the same difficulty. They were familiar with the often repeated prayers in Jewish, the Jewish religion or through the Torah because that's what they learned since they were little children up is how to repeat the prayers of the Torah or the, or, or, or the Old Testament. But Jesus, when he prayed, captivated their attention. He, he literally uh, amazed them because when he prayed, he prayed with a kind of authority and power that they had never seen or witnessed before in their lives. And it began to work on their minds of saying, you know, I can recite the prayers of Isaiah. I can re recite the prayers of the Psalms, but there is something about the way that our rabbi Jesus is praying that he does it as if he has authority. He has a connection with God that we don't have. And it drove them to the point in Matthew 6 and Mark and in Luke 11 to say to the Lord, teach us how to pray. Not teach us another prayer. You got to get that now. Not teach us another prayer, but teach us how to pray. We want to know how we need to do it. And Jesus didn't look at them and say, no, that's a secret thing between me and the Father. He said, no, I want you to know how you ought to pray. So pray in this manner. He didn't say pray this prayer, by the way. He said type of prayer. He gave them a pattern of prayer. A lot of times, and there's nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer. Most of you know it by heart. If you don't know it by heart, we can teach it to you really quick. But the truth of the matter is there's more power in, in taking the, the pattern that he set there and applying it to our prayer life than there is just reciting the prayer that Jesus did. If we were just going to recite his prayer, if that's what he wanted the disciples to do, then he would have looked and said, I'm going to teach you another prayer to add to all the other prayers you already have memorized and know how to pray. But instead he said, no, I'm going to teach you a pattern or a type of prayer. So we're going to look at that in a little bit of detail in just a moment. In these passages that we're about to look at, Jesus shows the, us the essentials to an effective prayer life. Jesus was a, a man of prayer. As a matter of fact, he prayed early in the morning and he prayed often. His disciples were watching him pray and they decided, I, we need to do like he does. This means that we don't know how to pray. They came to the decision they didn't know how to pray. How many of you have ever been around somebody that was a real prayer Come on. And you left there going, man, my prayers stink. I don't know how to pray. Man, they know how to pray. 
And a lot of times we get caught up. I remember when I was growing up, you know, the good prayers always used the, 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 uh, the uh, King James type uh, language, okay? Oh, Lord, we pray that, that thou would bless us. Man, there's power in thou. Man, and I would look as a little boy and think, man, all I know how to pray is, God, it's me. I've screwed up again. Help. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? How many? All, I mean, too often I pray, still pray that prayer. And so what are you saying? I'm saying what I had to realize is that prayer is communication with God and it's being real and it's being raw and it's being honest and it's being truthful. And God would rather you hear, oh, Lord, it's me and I need your help than to hear some pretty polished up pray, prayer that means nothing. It means nothing. It's just something you've memorized and something you can recite. I'm here. We need a relationship with God. I'm, I'm telling you now, how many of you, uh, you've got those friends you have to kind of be careful how you talk around them, but then there's those friends you can just be yourself. You can just, you know, you can just, you know, if, if you think somebody's hair looks goofy, you can say, hey, don't their hair look goofy? Okay. Them spiritual friends will go, the Bible says not to judge their hair. <laughs> it's all right, you can laugh. Amen. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, look, we have to pray from a heart that is after God. A, a heart that knows we desperately need his help in this next year. Uh, in, in other words, Jesus, when he prayed, they were captivated by it. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is talking to God. But, but what should you talk to God about? You ever thought about that? Well, I talked to him about my family. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a wonderful video. You can actually YouTube it by, by Louis Giglio that's called Prayer Remix. And he just kind of absolutely, if you go through that video, will shatter your idea of prayer. He said, all of our prayers kind of begin the same. How many of you, you know, this sounds very familiar, your morning prayer, maybe on your drive to work or, uh, Father, I come before you today and we ask you to bless us. Lord, we ask you to watch over us, take care of us, lead and guide and direct us, and be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's nothing wrong with that prayer except for the fact that he's already watching over us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And maybe what he would rather us say is something real. Come on, something honest. God, there's familiar sin knocking at my door this morning. And if you don't help me, I will cave into it. Don't you think that's what God would rather have than for us to pray a pattern of prayer that means nothing about what we're going through? And I'm telling you, when we begin to get real with God, God will begin to get real with us. And I'm here to tell you, when God gets real with us, miracles still happen. The move of God's Spirit is not a dead thing. It's very much alive. But God is looking for us to be real and honest. Look at somebody and say, quit being a phony. I love when you do that, by the way. I love when you do that. 
All right, so what should we talk to God about? Well, let's start with the basics. That's what Jesus did. Prayer is one of the most powerful things that we have to, like I said, it's one of the most powerful weapons. So let's see what Jesus said, effective prayer, what we should talk to God about when, when he addressed his disciples. In each case, the proper prayer is addressed to God and people who pray are focused on God, not themselves. In other words, the focus of prayer should be about God and not us. That's, that's hard for a self-centered society that we we have been raised up in, and we have been raised on a self-focused society. Those of you that are of my generation, Burger King tells us you can have it. Oh, some of you remember that. Okay, you know, um, you don't have to put up with McDonald's pickles. You can have it your way at our place, and that was what their selling point was. And in other words, they were appealing to human nature. And human nature says, why should I put up with the way you want it? I want it the way I want it. And if we're not careful, that will bleed into our prayer lives of demanding of God as if God is somebody that fulfills some great wish list we have instead of going before him and saying, God, instead of today you blessing me, why not? Let me bless you. Why not let my life be a blessing to you? Why not let me live out loud my faith and bless your name through it instead of you blessing me? Because how many would, would, would agree with me? We're pretty blessed. We're pretty blessed. I, I, I am overwhelmingly blessed. And, and I'm telling you, maybe my focus should be about him and not necessarily about me. God, would you bless my children? And if I really look with honesty, oh, how he has blessed my children and my wife and me and my family and my church. And instead of saying that, maybe I should be looking at God and saying, God, all these things you have done and blessed us with, now let us be a blessing to you and let us be a blessing to others. God, help us to be out loud assault and light in this earth today. Lord, let it bring glory to your name. Lord, may your name be lifted up this day through my life. Isn't that the kind of prayer you think maybe we ought to be focused on? Let's look a little bit at these essential prayer, uh, 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 essential things for an effective prayer life. Number one, we need to know that in Luke 1, um, let, let me just read through this. In Luke chapter 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us, this, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive, or forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And then later translations would add a doxology that was used mostly in, in Catholicism, which said, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Jesus is addressing this prayer, and he is saying to them, um, and you say, well, that's different from the prayer I learned in the King James. It's all right. Same words, just, just more modern. And, and he's saying, first thing you need to realize is you need to realize who whose name you're praying in, who you are. Okay, if you're going to write a letter, that letter doesn't go far unless there's an address on it, okay? You need to know who you're addressing, and you need to put the proper, proper address there. Now, if you were writing a letter to the president, would you put, hey, Trump, uh, you know, or attention, Trump? No, you would put uh, Mr. Donald Trump or, or President Donald Trump on that letter. You would address them with their proper title because you are acknowledging their authority, are you following what I'm getting at? This, so many times, I'm going to tell you now, and here's a quick lesson for us. God is and never will be the man upstairs. He is not a man. He is God. 
we, when I address him that way, I am leveling him to me. There's one time he became as me, and that was 2,000 years ago when a baby was born of a virgin named Jesus, and that is when the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But I'm here to tell you he dwelt in the flesh one time. He was pierced on the cross, put in the grave, resurrected on the third day, went back to the Father, and is now returned to the state of his glory that he once was in. When I address Jesus, I am addressing the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But remember this, he is God. He is God. So I need to get my address right. So he says, when you pray, you need to pray, our Father, hallowed be your name. In other words, holy is your name. Glory to your name. Honor to your name. Lord, I acknowledge your position over the heavens. I acknowledge your position over the earth. I acknowledge that the earth is the Lord's. Oh my goodness. The psalmist says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein for he established it upon the flood. In other words, get your prayer in the right place. Who are we talking to? We're talking to a God that is not limited by this flesh, not limited by this primitive thought, but this God that can do anything, anytime, anywhere, any way he wants to. He can heal cancer and he can deliver the sick. He can set the captives free. He can break addiction in lives. This God can do anything. Acknowledge him for who he is. Acknowledge him for who he is. He is God. He is God. God's name is personal. Jesus addresses him as Father. He addresses him personally. He doesn't say majesty of heaven, God. He says, I address you. Actually, the, anachronism, the, the actual translation is I, I, Abba, our daddy. But he, he goes a step further. He doesn't de, demote him. He says, You're my, I have a relationship with you. You're daddy, but hallowed is your name. Holy is your name. You're God. You're God. Amen. Look at somebody and say, we're talking to a pretty powerful being. Come on, tell me. Help him preach. We're talking to a pretty powerful person, a person of God. Amen. At the same time, we pray, pray this way to respect the position of who he is in our lives. Just as children learn to respect fathers and mothers or should learn to respect fathers and mothers, Jesus shows respect to his father. He respects him and he respects his name and his position as God Almighty. Do not lower God. Because when I lower God in my thinking, I make him powerless in my situation. Are you following me this morning? In other words, there are times I need a pretty big God to show up for me. How about you? Amen. Amen. Number two, God's kingdom. Jesus prayed for God's will because he was interested in, in, in God's kingdom. In other words, he put God's desires above his own. And as a matter of fact, in John 15, he said, there's a plan, but it's not even my plan. It's the Father's plan. I'm not even doing what I want to do. I'm doing the will of him who sent me. And so many times we want to rubber stamp God's kingdom into what we want. Look, I'm here to tell you, we will fail if we say, okay, God, here's our little nice, neat plan for, uh, for growth and for all the things we want to do, and Lord, rubber stamp it with your kingdom's blessing. No, it's not how it works. It works with me coming alongside what God is already doing and, 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 and joining in with him. 
In other words, if God's all right, there's so many people, I get a call sometimes saying, um, will y'all join this, or why don't y'all think about doing this ministry, and that ministry already exists in our community, instead of us trying to reinvent the wheel and let the enemy put a spirit of competition in our hearts. Why don't we join with and assist and help and instead of reinventing the wheel, help those who've got the wheels rolling, get them going faster. That's the will of God. That's the will of the kingdom. Amen. Jesus prayed for God's will because he wanted the kingdom to come into its fullness. Amen. I'm here to tell you the kingdom of God, we can't see it. Jesus was there. So for the kingdom of God is what? Within us. But the kingdom of God is greater than any kingdom. Let me just say this. The kingdom of God is greater than any nation on planet earth. Did you know that? Because the kingdom of God is connected by those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, there are people all over this world in many different places, in the, in the darkest, deepest jungles of Africa and South America, to the most refined cities on planet Earth and ancient cities. There are people who are saved by the same blood that you and I were saved by. And we are connected into the kingdom together, fellow saints of God, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm here to tell you, if God would just open our eyes to see all the believers that are scattered all over this world, you would be amazed at how large the kingdom of God really is, and it is constantly expanding. As a matter of fact, uh, when, when Sonia gave her heart to the Lord a few Sunday nights ago, the kingdom of God got a little bit larger. Think about that. For every soul that's saved, the kingdom of God expands. So when Jesus said, pray the kingdom come, the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven, he was saying, God in heaven, you have perfect will, you have a perfect plan, and we ask for what you have envisioned in heaven to become reality here. How many of you want God's reality in your life? Amen. Amen. I don't want some religious experience. I want God's reality in my life. Then in verse 3, he, he talks about God's provision. Each day, we all have to depend on provision. We all need provision. Now, I've heard people super spiritualize this part of the Lord's Prayer and say he was talking about manna himself, heavenly bread. No. The, the literal translation of bread in this is, is bread. Is bread. Okay, next time you go in the store and you go down the bread aisle, you just start praising God for it. It's bread. bread. If you don't have the means to get that bread, you'll praise God when you get it. Provision. How many of you need God's provision in your life? Physical provision. A need for shelter, a need for food, a need for clothing. Those are the basic elements we need to survive in this world. And I'm going to tell you, you may not have the castle in Lyrely as your home, okay? But what you may have is a roof over your head. And instead of cursing that roof, maybe you need to just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for this bread. Thank you for this bread. You, you may not be wearing, I don't even know designer names. Give me some designer names, those of you that, oh, you act to be all shy. You know you'd be eBaying that stuff. What? Whatever he said, I thought he was, praise the Lord. Anyway, what are you saying? Gazoon tight. 
Ralph Lauren. That's about as fancy as I know. All right, what are you saying, Pastor? Calvin Klein. Um, what, are you, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, look, you may not have that in your closet, but what you may have is a blessing from the Lord. Why not just raise your hands and be thankful for the bread that God has given you? You may not eat steak every day. Oh, my goodness. Come on, church. But it, it may be beans and taters and cornbread, but you may raise your hands and praise God uh, for what he has provided for you every day. Give us this day. You, you, may, you may hate your job, but it's a job. It's provision, and, you may, and, and if you start praising God in the provision, there's no telling what your heavenly Father may provide later on. When we begin to thank him for the provision that he's given us, amen? So give us this day our daily bread, Lord. Give us what we need to survive, God. Give us the essentials to live. Because how can we promote your gospel if we're fighting to survive? God, we want the essentials to survive and to live on this earth. Amen. Provision. Then he goes on, he says, God, forgiveness. We need your forgiveness. He says, Lord, help us. To, oh, this is going to be the tough one. Lord, help us to forgive others the way we've been forgiven. I can preach that, but it's hard. Lord, help us to forgive others the way that we have been forgiven. That's kind of like, you know, nobody likes those verses of Scripture. I don't get a request for me to read, um, you know, wives submit yourselves to husbands at too many weddings. But they don't understand. I'm not just going to read that part. I'm going to read all of it, which says, and husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I found if you're willing to die for that woman, she got no problem following you. Come on, church. There you go. God is good. Listen to me, church. Listen to me this morning. God is wanting all of us to understand that when we say, God, I want to be forgiven, how many of you, your account was really heavy with God? You, your sins were, were numerous. You, you had things to your account that were greater than you could ever imagine, but one trip to your knees and the blood of Jesus washed you clean and pure and you were forgiven in that moment. I'm here to tell you, Jesus says, if I've forgiven you, you ought to forgive others the same way. Now, does, does God forgive and hold a grudge? No. No. God doesn't, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of scripture that says what God does with our sin. He, he cast it as far as the east is from the west. He buries it in the sea of forgetfulness. It's at the bottom of the sea of forgetfulness. You say God can never forget. No, God can never forget unless God chooses to forget because remember, he's all powerful and if God decides I don't want to remember it no more, he's going to remember it no more because that's just who God is. The problem is we remember it. We hold the grudge on ourselves. I'm not talking about grudges we hold against others. Let's talk about ourselves. How many of you, when things aren't going so great, you look in the mirror and you begin to throw the accusations to yourself about what you used to be? 
Oh, God, help us to forgive the way we've been forgiven and let it start with us forgiving ourselves. Let it begin with us looking in the mirror and saying, Lord, you forgave me. And if anybody had a right to to punish me, you did. But since you forgave me, I'm gonna let myself off the hook and I'm gonna live in the forgiveness and the freedom that you have promised me. And I'm here to tell you, when you begin to pray that prayer, God will enable you to do that, which you can't do on your own. And you will stand and you'll be able to lift your hands in church. You'll be able to praise God and worship God and say, I am free because who the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm not, I'm not guilty. I don't hold a grudge on myself. I'm free. Then we got to learn how to let it go with others. I say this a lot because it's true, and I repeat these things because when we get it, then I'll stop repeating it, but we don't ever get it. Some of us do, but then we go right back to it. Forgiveness never will be about you letting somebody off the hook except for one person, yourself. When I forgive somebody for something they've done for me or done to me, I'm letting myself off the hook. No longer will I be chained to this anymore. No longer will I go down the, the, the aisle in Walmart and see them and go the other direction. But I'm letting myself off the hook because God let me off the hook. And I'm going to tell you, they'll have to deal with that sin. They'll have to deal with that. But as for me, I'm going to forgive them so that I can get on with my life. Some of us can't get on with our lives because we cannot forgive. That's just hard preaching, but it's truth. And yet we stand in church forgiven of much. Forgiven of much. And God says, reciprocate it. Give it to others. Forgiveness. Then he says, and God deliver us from evil. Jesus was aware of evil on this earth. He wasn't putting his head in the sand. He was fully aware that the earth had evil in it. And I'm here to tell you, he says, Lord, God, I can't. Look, some of us are trying to keep ourselves out of trouble instead of letting God help us keep ourselves out of trouble. Because we think, I can do it on my own. I can prove how good a servant I am if I do what God, if I can show God. I'll prove my love to him. I'll stay out of evil. You can't stay out of evil if you want to without God's help. But Lord, deliver us from evil. It's present in this world. It is ever present in this world. I've shared with you many, many times. There are people today that are still dying for this gospel. Don't think that that ended years ago. It's still happening in this world today. We just happen to live in a nation at this point in time where we're free to gather in here and worship. But I'm here to tell you, don't take your freedom for granted because it can be stopped before you know it. And one day you come and we not be able to do what we're doing here today. So we better enjoy it while we can. But remember, evil is present in this earth. And there's only one answer to evil. And that is God's kind of grace, God's kind of good, and God's kind of love. Amen. That's the only answer to it. I'm going to stop there. Will you stand? Deliver us from evil. Actually, the literal translation is the evil one. 
Now I have to guess who that is. Problem is, it's not just one. That represents a kingdom of darkness. Because there's two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, and they are at war with one another. Some of us, we're at war in ourselves, and God's ready to give us peace. God's ready to speak to our hearts. God's ready to set us free. Like we've never been freed before, but we've got to want that freedom. This morning, prayer is still the answer. Do you know God's listening? Very elementary way of teaching this. But the reason we don't take the Lord's name in vain is because God's ear is bent towards us. And when we call his name, he's listening. He's listening. Because he loves us. He cares what we think. He cares what we're going through. I'll never forget a few years ago, one of our church folks was having surgery on her little toe. She called me for prayer and got embarrassed. She said, I know it's just a toe. I said, yeah, but it's your toe. How many has got a toe God needs to heal? And I'm not talking about physical. You know what I'm talking about. It's yours. Your God cares. How do I know he cares? Because he said there's not a sparrow that falls from the sky that he's not aware of and sees. A few years ago, there was, uh, my dad pastored in North Carolina for several years. And uh, we moved back to Georgia in the 70s. And uh, there was a, deacon at one of the churches he pastored and their family was just going through an awful time. Their church was going through an awful time. And uh, he went out to sit at a picnic table there outside just broken. Anybody ever been there? Just broken. Broken by the world. Broken by the circumstances. Broken by the evil one who had come to assault his church and his family. And he just began to weep and and that feeling of despair, God doesn't really care, God doesn't really see, God doesn't really know, began to fill him. Anybody ever been there? I have. And as his head was buried, he felt a flutter of air. And when he opened his eyes, a little sparrow had landed in front of him and was looking at him. And the Holy Spirit spoke the word into him and said, I care for these, why would I not care for you? I see it, I know, and I love you. What are you saying, pastor? I don't care if it's a little toe, God loves you. I don't care if it's a major thing in your life, God loves you. God sees you and God's aware, but I'm here to tell you, you have not because you ask not, because we refuse to pray in the right way. There's an essential to praying. It's essential to our walk with God. And when we learn to really talk to God, how do we really talk to God? It's a conversation, my friend. And it's not polished sometimes. It's not pretty sometimes, but he wants it to be real. And when it's real, God will get real with you and your situation. It's essential. 
this morning, I just want us all over this building to bow our heads for a moment, close our eyes. For those of you that are new to our church, I don't, I don't grab people and pull them to the altar. I never have done that. If I come to you, buddy, Holy Spirit's really dealt with my heart. But if you're in this room this morning and you just, something in this word has spoken into you today, maybe there's something you need from God. I just want to be able to pray for you. While no one's looking around, nobody watching, I just want you to slip your hand up all over this building. There's others. Come on. There's others. You can put it right back down. Now I'm going to say if you're here in this room and you're not ready to meet Jesus, you're not saved, you can be saved before you leave this place. I don't know, Pastor. I've done so much. God doesn't care how much you've done. He just cares what you do with it. And if you'll carry it to the cross, He'll forgive it. And if that's what you want this morning, you can be set free and you can walk out of this building knowing that you're on your way to heaven with purpose in your heart like never before to live a different life. And He'll help you with that. And guess what? This forever family will help you with that. God's going to give you a family. We're here. We're here to help you on your walk, not to hurt you, not to judge you, but to help you. And if you want salvation in your life today and you are sitting here this morning and God's touched your heart with his word and you're saying, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to be set free. Would you just slip out of your seat and come to the altar? I promise you somebody will meet you here ready to pray for you if that's you. On behalf of Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for listening and worshiping with us today. For more information, please visit our website at tryinhwc.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We would also like to invite you to come and experience the presence of the Lord with us in person. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. Our morning celebration and evening celebrations are every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Wednesday night is Worship in the Word night. We have classes for every age beginning at 7 p.m. We look forward to meeting you.